podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 21st of June, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, such as UK expats wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, Irish expats wanting RTE Player, a Liberty Shield VPN will get you where you want to go and it'll keep your data safe. So check out libertyshield.com, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot, five-star ratings across the board. We don't just advertise any old tat on this podcast. And use the code EPL25 at the checkout. EPL25 for 25% off either the hardware or software packages. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is Tuesday. and We are going to carry on with our suggested signings for four more of last season's Premier League clubs. Yesterday, we did Aston Villa, Arsenal, Brentford and Brighton. And today, we will be doing Burnley, Chelsea, Crystal Palace and Everton. So we'll do the 20 teams this week. And then on Monday, we'll do the three newly promoted teams. Same way we, I did the, uh, the squad needs a couple of weeks ago. So let's start with Burnley, where we have news today regarding Nick Pope departing the club or on his way out of the club. So they will need a starting goalkeeper or at least somebody who can challenge Bailey Peacock-Farrell. Now, the smart thing to do here might be to look for a veteran who can come in, be reliable, be consistent, or you could take more of a swing and go and try and get yourself a younger goalkeeper, even one on loan, who could come in and potentially raise the level. So that's what I'm going to look at here. I would knock on Liverpool's door and I would ask about Cueving Kelleher on loan for a year because with Mark Travers now going to be playing regularly in the Premier League, and Gavin Basunu likely to be playing regular in the Premier League, Kelleher is going to be looking at his two competitors for the Irish number one shirt and thinking, I'd like to play more regularly. They're playing regularly. I need to be playing more to compete with them. Now, I don't know that Liverpool will let him go this season. I think it might be a thing that they hold on to him for a year and then loan him out next summer. So with that in mind, 
given that it appears Nick Pope is heading to Newcastle, I would ask Newcastle for Freddie Woodman. Very talented goalkeeper, couple of good loans with Swansea. Struggled in the starts for Newcastle last year, it's worth saying, and obviously went on loan to Bournemouth but was behind Travers. But I think Freddie Woodman's a very good goalkeeper. And if I was Burnley, I think I'd kick the tires on that. You're already talking to Newcastle. Why not see if you can hijack the loan? If he's meant to be going to Preston, but why not try and hijack that and get him in over one of your rivals in the championship? So that's where I'd start. Um. They've gotten Jack Cork back for another year. Ashley Westwood is obviously going to miss a substantial amount of time this upcoming season. So Burnley could really do with a starting midfielder. They've got a group of neat and tidy midfielders, and Josh Brownhill is by far the best of them. So they could do with someone else who can come in and operate on a fairly high level for them. Give them something that maybe they haven't had before, maybe a bit more dynamism. And I think they can look just down the road at Joe Rothwell at Blackburn Rovers, who is a free agent at the end of this month. Definitely good enough to play in the Premier League but vast experience playing in the lower leagues, outstanding for Blackburn these last few years. And on a free transfer, I think he would make a lot of sense for Burnley to come in. You play him and Cork, him and Brownhill. You could play the three of them together. And I do think that would be a really smart signing from Burnley. He's the right age profile. He's 27 turned in January, he'll be 28 January coming. So you can get four or five good years out of Joe Rothwell. And if it were a thing where you didn't come up at the end of this season, he will have value as a 28-year-old who is highly regarded. You'd be able to sell him potentially to a Premier League club or to one of the richer clubs in the championship and make a good profit on him. Because Burnley's finances obviously are a little bit questionable at the moment. Um, We don't really know what's going to happen with regards to the loans that are due this summer. We don't know what's going to happen regarding a lot of these players um, and whether or not they'll be able to, to keep the likes of Dwight McNeil and Josh Brownhill and Nathan Collins. Moving on then, we know Tarkovsky's gone. He has decided to move on with his career and you can't really blame him. Um, He's given Burnley some excellent service. Ben Mee has also moved on. Now, there's still a chance they'll be able to bring Ben Mee back. But for now, we're going to act as if Ben Mee is gone. So they've got Collins as a starter, Long as a depth piece. So I want two centre-backs in here as starter and a backup. Now, obviously, 
this is working with a championship type budget, so can't go too mental, can't be looking too high up the the pyramid for a centre back to go next to Nathan Collins. But this is Burnley, so you're looking for resale value, you're looking for aerial ability, you're looking for I think a bit of dominance. And I think with the two guys that are gone, Tarkovsky and me, you're looking for a bit of leadership here. You're looking for someone that can come in and be an organiser. And I'd look at Shane Duffy from Brighton, who has excelled before in the championship, great in the air, well-noted talker, international teammate of Collins. And I think he'd make an awful lot of sense for them. I think he fits the bill of a Burnley centre-back. That's who I would go for. You'd probably get him for in around four, five million, which I think is good value for an experienced leader at the back. I think he could prove to be a very, very clever signing for them. In terms of a backup, then, again, I think you're probably looking for somebody pretty reliable, somebody that you know can be parachuted in and play with either Duffy or with, um, with Collins. And maybe somebody who... Maybe somebody who's looking to rehabilitate their career. Now, you could look at someone like a Phil Jones. One year left on his deal. Can't play every game because of his knee issues. But still only 30 years of age. I think Phil Jones could make a lot of sense for them. Wouldn't have to move. Could stay living where he is. I think he might quite fancy playing under Vincent Company. And I know Company's going to probably have them being a little bit more expansive than they have been. But I do think certain parts of the Burnley culture will need to stay. And I'd look at Phil Jones. Duffy and Jones with Collins and Long. It's not ideal. It's not perfect, but this is a team that's just been relegated. So you're not going to get perfect. You're not going to get ideal. Uh, Moving then into central. uh, Sorry, I have my central midfielder. I'm looking for a backup left back and a starting winger. So I'm going to have McNeil on one side. I need someone for the other side. And obviously I also want uh, the backup left back. This would be my my sort of swing for the summer. I would go Todd Cantwell. I know he's not a traditional winger, but he is a wide playmaker. I think if you put Cantwell on the left with Dwight McNeil on the right, you'd have good creativity and potentially goals on both sides. One year left in his deal. There's no future for him at Norwich. He's fallen out with them. Now, Dean Smith might be prepared to try and give him another chance, but I, I would try for Todd Cantwell. I think he's a very talented player who's just lost his way a bit 
over the last couple of years. And then for backup left back, because you've really got to upgrade on Eric Peters, who just hasn't been close to the level you've required for the last few years. You do have a good starting left back in Charlie Taylor, but you want someone that will push him, someone that can be competition for him. And I think Joe Bryan might be on the outs at Fulham because the last time they came up, he barely got a game despite scoring the goals that helped get them up. He is, I think, a little bit below a Premier League player, but certainly a good enough championship player that he could come in and make a big difference for you. And I think profile-wise, he's similar enough to Taylor that it's not a massive alteration to the team if Charlie Taylor's out and he's in. So Freddie Woodman, Joe Rothwell, Shane Duffy, Phil Jones, Todd Cantwell, and Joe Bryan. And again, I, I think this is both affordable and realistic. Woodman on loan, you are having to hijack a deal for that that from on Preston who think they have him wrapped up or close to wrapped up. But at the same time, you're in negotiations with Newcastle, and maybe you can swing it by giving them some sort of favorable terms on on Pope. Joe Rothwell is at a contract. Duffy and Jones. I actually wouldn't be surprised if United were willing to give Phil Jones a free a free transfer. If he was willing to write off the last year of his contract, I think they'd give him a free transfer. Uh, Duffy's not on massive money at Brighton. And again, I don't think he'd cost big wages. Cantwell would be sort of the big marquee signing. But again, like, what are you going to pay from $8 million? And Joe Bryan would be an affordable, stylistic fit who I think makes sense. Uh, right, let's move on then. On to Chelsea. Now, I have Chelsea down as only actually needing four players. Two starting centre-backs and backup full-backs. Uh, they do seem keen to bring in some attackers. And if Lukaku goes, obviously, there will be a spot for one. They might, might sign more than that because, well... I actually don't know why. I look at the attacking talent there and I just wonder why they wouldn't try and make the most of it. Um, they may also be selling Armando Brogia, who I had factored into my thinking for next season, which just goes to show that even with the ownership changing, the stupidity at Chelsea remains. But I'm going to focus on what I said they needed, which was two centre-backs and two backup full-backs. Now, it does look like Jonathan Kloss is on his way. He will fill that right-back spot uh, behind Reese James. He's been one of the better right-backs in France for the last couple of years. He's a French international now, and he makes sense. I think Borna Sosa is the way to go at left-back. If you can't get him, try David Rom, but I would try Borna Sosa first. Rangy athlete, aggressive, great crosser of the ball. Clever player. I think he's the way to go there. Now, at centre-back, there's been a lot of names thrown around. There's been Jules Kunde, There's been Josco Vardiol. The issue with them is they're really back three defenders. 
And my belief is that Thomas Tuchel wants to go to a back four. So I think he's going to play a back three this season. And then the following season, assuming he's still there, I think he'll look to transition to a back four. So the two centre-backs they sign have to be comfortable in both. Now, given these are new owners and there's some pressure on them from, you know, a fairly demanding fan base, an entitled fan base, I think they've got to make at least one splashy signing. And I don't mean a massive fee. I just mean someone, <coughs> excuse me, someone with name recognition. Someone that the fans can look at and think, yeah, he's a great player. And he has been linked to them. And I think it is time for him to start a new chapter of his career. I would say sign Kaladu Koulibaly. One of the best centre-backs in the world. But he is now 30. It's become fairly clear that Napoli are finally open to selling him. I think he's still got three or four good years. I think he reads the game at such a level that even when his pace starts to decline a bit, he'll still be absolutely fine. I think he'd be fine playing left side of a back three. And if and when they move to a back four, he's perfect for it. Out of contract in 2023, I think now's the time. He's who I would go for. And to partner him, I would go Nikola Milinkovic of Fiorentina. Again, comfortable in the back three. He's played right back in a four as well. 6-5, dominant in the air, really good pace. So when Koulibaly starts to decline a bit, Nikola Milinkovic's pace picks up some of the slack. He is also out of contract next summer. He's only 24. So you're still getting his best years. They're all ahead of him. I think Milinkovic makes sense for Chelsea. If they want two centre-backs in, Koulibaly and Milinkovic, I think, are the right pairing to put either side of Thiago Silva and then to play as a two post-Silva. Now, would they be better off if they still had Mark Guehi and Fakayo Tomori? Absolutely they would, but, you know, stupid is as stupid does. Moving on then to Crystal Palace. So with Palace, I have them needing six players. Uh, They look like they have their starting goalkeeper sorted with Sam Johnston set to arrive from West Brom on a free. I'm not a huge Sam Johnston fan, but he's not a terrible goalkeeper. And he will give them... We'll give them a solid presence there. They need a starting right back. Two centre-backs are very good. The left-back is very good, uh, Tariq Mitchell. 
But right back was a, pro- a problematic position for them this past season. Now, based on the profile of who they have there already, Joel Ward, Nat Klein, Nathan Ferguson, you're probably looking for a more defensive-minded fullback. Well, Manchester United have a defensive-minded fullback that they are apparently willing to loan out. And as luck would have it, he came through the academy of Crystal Palace and would probably be all in favour of a return. I would try and loan Aaron Wan-Bissaka back from Manchester United. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. He's great in 1v1s. He's great defending down the line. And he's great at recovery tackles. And that's it. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done with Wambasaka in terms of developing him as an all-round defender. His reading of the game, his positional play, sweeping across behind his centre-backs, all of that still needs to be worked on. But that would be easier at Palace with Anderson and Gwehi in that mid-block that they play rather than at United with a rotating cast of idiots trying to play a high line. So, yeah, I'd be bringing back Juan Bissaka. I think United would probably pay half his wages. And I think that works for everybody. I think he'd be much happier. They need two starting midfielders. They need a dynamic ball winner. Someone with endless energy. Someone with aggression. To replace Conor Gallagher. The name that's out there is a name I really like. Check the Kure. I think he is an outstanding young player. 21 years of age. I think he'd make the ideal signing for them. And he can play as the holder or he can play that box-to-box role. Now, to partner him, because I think Eze will play in midfield more next season. I think they're going to run things out with Zaha and potentially let him leave on a free if they can't get him to sign a new deal. So Elise right, Eze, uh, Zaha left, Mateta or Edward as the nine which pushes Eze back into sort of a number eight position, which he's more than happy with. But you've got to put two defensive-minded midfielders in there with him to enable him to do what it is that he does in the final third. So the second midfielder I'd look at for them, and I've considered a few, John Onana is one that does stand out to me, but I'd go Kefran Turam, son of Lillian Turam, from Nice. I think there's a little bit of instability at Nice at the minute with their manager set to leave. And I do think you could possibly take advantage of it. I think Vieira can potentially use his personal relationship with Turam's family and get that deal done. I don't think he'd cost a fortune. Profile-wise, he's quite similar to Patrick Vieira. So who better to learn off? Uh, I would look at him. And I think they need two backup centre-backs. Because Tompkins is frequently injured. Decent player when he's fit, but frequently injured. And Martin Kelly is always injured. So I don't know that you can really rely on him 
all that much. Um, I think you've got to look. Your two starting centre-backs are really, really good. But behind them, I'm just not sure you've got what's needed. Now, ideally, I'd love to go and buy someone like Tolson from Fulham. But he's too good to come in and be a third centre-back. Someone I think you possibly could get is Ben Cabango from Swansea, who I really like. So I'd look at him. And then for the other one, I'd go Jacob Greaves. Young centre-back, 21 years of age, plays for Hull. He's one I do like. So they're the two centre-backs I'd look to bring in. Ben Cabango and Jacob Greaves. Along with Sam Johnston, Juan Basaka on loan, Czech Dekure and Kefren Turam. I think he could do the whole lot quite affordably. Without blowing through your budget. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Right, moving on then to our final team for today, Everton Football Club. I have them needing five. Now, this is based on Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin staying, obviously. So, first need, starting centre-back, and it looks like they've got that sorted with James Tarkovsky. Uh, Hasn't yet been announced, but should be in the next couple of weeks. He has had his medical. He has agreed terms James Tarkovsky. So that gives you Patterson, Godfrey, Tarkovsky, Michaelenko. I think that's a solid back four. And then for depth, you've got Coleman. You've got Niels and Kunku as the backup left back. You've got Holgate and you've got Keane as your backup centre-backs. And you've got Yerry Mina for the eight games a season he's fit, though I would look to sell him to help fund some of the new purchases. They need a starting centre midfielder. It does look like Harry Winks is the guy that they're focused on. I'm not a massive Harry Winks fan, but I can see the logic in it. I think a midfield three with Ducure and Winks plus a holding midfielder gives you good balance. Dukure, that powerful box-to-box dynamic player, can carry the ball over distance. Winks, as a distributor, who can just keep the ball moving, keep the midfield ticking along, doesn't do anything fancy. He's like the upper echelon of, of a Burnley midfielder, uh, and I think that's what Frank Lampard will want. So uh, I, I would go ahead with the Harry Winks-type deal. Um. Then I have them needing a starting defensive midfielder to complete that midfield because I do think when we look at Alan, I think his best days are behind them. I think he can still be an important player in the squad, though, again, I'd probably look to move him on just to free up the huge wages that he's on. The midfielder I'd look to bring in is Hugo Gillimon 
of Valencia. He's had a contract in 2023, only 22 years of age. Really good shielding defensive midfielder. Sits in front of that defensive, that sent those um, centre backs, and just does a great job screening for them. Shepherds runs into the fullback positions, wins the ball back cleanly, calmly, and gets things moving. Also a good distribution hub. So with him and Winks, you'd have some ability there to control games. You'd have some ability to dominate play. And then Dukure is your sort of change of pace player. And we know they've got good players in attack if they can keep hold of them. So I think Hugo Gilliman would be a clever move for Everton. Should be able to get him for somewhere in the region of, I don't know, 20 million maybe. I think they're going to have to back Frank this summer. So Winks and him, that's that's not bad. That's 40 million Tarkovsky on a free. And then I have them also needing a backup striker behind Calvert-Lewin and a backup winger behind Richarlison. I think you've got Damari Gray and Anthony Gordon for that third attacking spot. Now, there is a possibility when I did Burnley that I obviously didn't take into account the fact that certain players are likely to leave because they have relegation release clauses. But I don't want to get into all that stuff. As things stand, Veghorst is still their player. Cornet is still their player. But if... Veghorst isn't going to play in the championship. If I was Everton, I'd take a look at bringing him in as the backup striker. But for now, uh, we're just going to act on him being a Burnley player for next year. Silly and all as that might be, that's just what we're going to do. So Everton need a backup striker and a backup wide player. And I think there's a certain profile of attacker that they need because Calvert-Lewin is a certain profile. I think they need someone that plays in a similar enough manner to Calvert-Lewin. Someone that can lead the line, be aggressive, be aerially dominant, be a target man for them. I think they've got to find that sort of profile. Now, who it would be is difficult. Because there's not many out there. Um, But one player who is out there, who I do think could be, could actually fill both of these uh, squad needs for them, can play off the left, can play through the middle, is a big unit, is Marcus Turan, the other son of Lillian Turan. 6'4" quick, rangy, decent on the ball, powerful and aggressive. I think Marcus Turam, let's say he's ostensibly the the backup for um, for one of them. But he can be can be used in both positions. I think Marcus Turam just makes a lot of sense to them. I do. I think that would be a clever signing. Again, one year left in his deal. 
Borussia Mönchengladbach have been quite open about the fact that financially they're not in the best situation at the moment and they could do with selling off some players rather than losing them on uh, on Bosman's. So I'd go with him. And then... So just as a short-term fix, kind of a one-season, come in and give us a bit of something, I'd nearly consider someone like Baz Deust. He is well past his best. Maybe you'd be better off keeping Rondon. Um, you might be better off actually keeping Solomon Rondon because, yeah, Baz Deust might just be a little bit long in the tooth. Um, the other alternative hmm, I don't think he'd work there Kete Balde on a free from Cagliari he could be interesting he could be really interesting But no, we'll leave him where he is. We'll just leave him where he is. Do you know what? We'll just leave it at four. Because I don't think they've got much money. I really don't think they've got much money to spend. And I think it's just flogging a dead horse. I think you're better off. You'd be better off keeping Rondon for another year, but using Turam as the primary backup in both spots. I think you're more likely to get him as well if you can guarantee him more minutes in the two positions. So we'll leave it at four. Tarkovsky, Winks, Gillamon, and Marcus Turam. Because the alternative... The alternative would be to look at someone like a Carlin Grant or a Kiefer Moore or, I mean, Victor Gjorkas, if you could maybe pry him away from Coventry, that could be worth looking at. Could they get him? Gjorkas is a good player. And he scored 18 goals last season for Coventry. Now, it is obviously the championship. They paid $1 million for him. They might be willing to sell him. He can play across the front line as well. Do you know what? We'll, we'll go with him. We'll go with Victor Gjorkas from Coventry. Um, could also give him a bit of a different look. Doesn't have the same kind of physical profile. Uh I've butchered his name as well, by the way. That's not actually how you pronounce his name. That's how I pronounce his name, which is a different thing. Uh, so th that's our fifth one. We'll go Tarkovsky, Winks, Gilliman, Turam, and we're just going to call him Victor. And that is four. That is Burnley, that is Chelsea, that is Palace, and that is Everton. Tomorrow, we will do Leeds, who have three of their seven needs filled already. We'll do Leicester. We'll do Liverpool, who have three of their four needs filled already. 
And we'll do Manchester City, who have two of their four needs filled already. Leeds, Liverpool, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool and City tomorrow. Thursday, then we'll do United, Newcastle, Norwich and Southampton. And then we'll finish up with Spurs, with Watford, with West Ham and with Wolverhampton Wanderers. And that's that. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we've got all the news and gossip you can handle. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, it is time for the news and gossip. And as I mentioned earlier, Newcastle United are reportedly close to signing Nick Pope from Burnley, that is by Luke Edwards in The Telegraph. However, he also says that while neither the Botman or Ekatiki deals are dead, they're not progressing. Lille are still refusing to accept a £30 million bid for Botman and won't lower the price from £37 million. And Ekatiki and his advisors have been delaying for weeks and are still offering the player to other clubs. That says to me he doesn't want the move. And if Newcastle had a bit more self-respect, they'd probably just walk away from it. If you've agreed everything and his agent and him are still offering themselves around, that says he doesn't want the move. So move on, go and find someone else. I know he's a big talent and I know it would be frustrating. You've put in a lot of work on it, but you don't want to end up like Arsenal where you start chasing your tail for six months for a player that doesn't want to come to the club, as they did with Vlahovic. David Ornstein is reporting that Southampton have agreed a €10 million fee for Bochum centre-back Armel Belakotchap. The German under-21 international had his medical overnight and is set to sign a four-year deal with an option for a fifth year. This is the type of clever signing that Southampton used to make. I had them down to make a backup centre-back move this summer. He will fill that and potentially could become the starter next to Salisu moving forward. So that, to me, is a clever move. That, to me, is the type of move Southampton used to make when they were one of the teams that everybody admired. Right-footed centre-back. German with Cameroonian descent, born in Paris. 22 games in the Bundesliga last season. That is a clever move. For that kind of price, that's a clever move. Fair play. Um, Ornstein also reported that uh, Marina was set to leave. Chelsea, obviously, which doesn't seem to be taking with it the uh, propensity for silliness um but it is what it is lots and lots of stuff around manchester united at the moment we have one camp reporting that christian erickson is keen on the move we have another camp reporting that erickson has turned down the move to manchester united and will either go back to Brentford, which is my hope for them, for him, or go to Spurs. 
it's not really a good sign for United if they're getting turned down in favour of a potential move to Brentford. But it is kind of funny. Um, the spoofer with the catchphrase, a little bit of an interesting nugget here, non-Premier League rema- uh, related, but Espanyol have improved their bid to Fiorentina for uh, Bartlemej Drakowski, the goalkeeper, who's really, really talented. A little bit surprised that Fiorentina would sell him, especially for what will likely be not the biggest fee. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, moving on to real journalists and things that are actually real. Uh, Cahill Heffernan of Cork City, young Irish defender, 17-year-old centre-back. He is moving to he has moved to AC Milan. Uh, he'd previously been there on loan since January, and now he has made a permanent move. Um, this is really exciting from an Irish point of view to see some of our young players going to the biggest clubs. We've got one kid, I think, at, at Inter Milan. There's a couple of Udinese now. And it does appear like more and more Irish talent is starting to appear, and we're in particular at the centre-back position. The likes of McNally, of, of Nathan Collins, now this kid, Oma Bamadeli, um McGuinness at uh, Cardiff as well. Going to have quite a good crop of centre-backs. Not much else. Not, not much else. Goalkeepers and centre-backs. That's the focus. Everything else is on the long finger. Um, but yeah, this is just from an Irish point of view, this is quite exciting. It's AC Milan. And one of ours is going over there. And even if he doesn't make the grade there, what an incredible experience that will be for him. Uh, Crystal Palace set to sign West Brom goalkeeper Sam Johnston. Uh, Ryan Giggs has stepped down as the Wales manager. Um, It's bizarre that he was still officially the Wales manager considering he stepped away from the role in November of 2020, which is 20 months ago, and he was still the manager. Robert Page has been doing the job ever since and has done an incredible job. Now, we know why Giggs stepped away, and obviously that continues to be ongoing. We'll wait and see what happens, but it's not a good look for him, obviously. Uh, that he has been charged with these things and he's facing a court case for these things. Uh, But, you know, if we look back at Ryan Giggs, a little bit of a questionable questionable person to begin with. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll just leave that there. There's no point in getting too much further into Ryan Giggs because we could be here all day. Uh, Gareth Southgate has the FA's confidence, says Debbie Hewitt, the chairwoman of the FA. England faced relegation in the Nations League following last week's humiliating 4-0 defeat against Hungary. But Hewitt, in her first public comments since becoming the FA chair last year, it's amazing it took her this long to say anything publicly, has praised Southgate's resilience and accountability and the fact that he's cheap. That's the biggest factor here. He's cheap and he's a yes man. Prior to Gareth, being the manager there was not the pride of wearing the English shirt. There was a club, club club rivalry we would read about. Oh, sorry. Prior to Gareth being the manager, 
the, this is just badly worded. The pride of wearing the shirt wasn't there. It was all about club rivalries and players not getting on. Um, he's changed that beyond recognition. I've worked in business and Garrett's skills is high IQ would make him a chief executive in any sphere. Jesus wept. Um, Garrett Southgate is a PE teacher and he should not be England manager. He got the job because Big Sam did what Big Sam did. And he was cheap. It's as simple as that. He was the cheapest option available. And he's a yes man for the FA. Um, with this group of players, it's hilarious that this is who England have managing them. Uh, Samuel Etu, the former Cameroon and Barcelona Ford, has pled guilty to $3.2 million in tax fraud relating to his image rights while playing for Barcelona. The four-time African footballer of the year was given a 22-month suspended prison sentence when he appeared in court in Spain on Monday. He must now repay all the money he owes, 3.2 million, plus a fine of 1.55 million. So he has to pay back 4.75 million pounds, not euros, pounds. It's about 6 million euro or so. Uh, prosecutors accused Etu of fa failing to declare income from the transfer of image rights between 06 and 09, Etu is the latest in a long line of foreign players and managers to have been prosecuted for tax fraud in Spain in recent years, including Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Jose Mourinho, and Neymar. Um, magnificent stuff, really. Etu transferred his image rights to a, country, a company based in Hungary, which declared his earnings in that country where the tax rate is one of the lowest in Europe. Fair play to him for at least just admitting that that's what he did and not trying to uh, come up with excuses the way certain others who were mentioned uh, did when they were faced with the uh, same charges. Right, let's do the gossip and get wrapped for the day. Arsenal are closing in on signing Brazil forward Rafinha from Leeds United with Barcelona's interest in the 25-year-old having cooked. So social media got very excited about this yesterday, Arsenal fans obviously in particular. It's goal in Spain. It's not anyone in the UK reporting that they're close to signing him at all. Uh, Ornstein has said it's a bit of a long shot. A few others who are well-connected have said similar. Um, Rafinha doesn't make sense for Arsenal. He just doesn't. Is he a very good player? Absolutely, he's a very good player. But he plays right wing, and your best player plays right wing. So Arsenal fans' response to that was, no, well, first of all, Arsenal fans said, we're buying him as depth. We need depth. You're not spending 50 million on depth. You're Arsenal Football Club. You're not Manchester City or United. You're Arsenal. You're not spending 50 million on depth. Then they said, oh, well, he'll play one wing and Saka will play the other. Okay, so which one of them are you moving to their less favoured position? Is it Saka, your best player? You're going to move him to a position he's not quite as, effect as effective in? Or is it Rafinha, who's not as effective in that position either? If it's Rafinha, you probably get away with it more because he would be more suited in the Arsenal team to playing left wing because he loved Tierney behind him 
and because it's just easy for him to go on the outside and get crosses in. If it's Tomiyasu, that could be problematic because what Rafinha needs to be really at his best is he needs a, a high-caliber right-back who's really good on the ball to link with him. Or an overlapping fullback. Now, Tommy Asu is a brilliant defender. But he's not an overlapper. He, he's, his legs will, will just fall apart if that happens. Look what happened to him last year. He missed half the season with calf strains because he's been asked to do too much going forward. So he can't do that. He's good on the ball. He's not elite on the ball. So I don't know that Rafinha is a good signing for them, especially not when they've got so many other holes to fill. Like it's one thing to go out and sign a Fabio Vieira and potentially ignoring the midfield spot that they're desperate to fill. It's another thing going and signing Gabriel Jesus, who's not the type of profile of striker you were originally looking for. But Rafinha just doesn't really make sense. Not at this point. Get your team right first. And then you can start adding quality depth. And for the Arsenal fans that said, oh, we didn't get fourth last year because of our lack of depth. Yeah, a right back and a defensive midfield. Two places you're still not going to have depth at because apparently Arteta likes having Cedric as his backup right back. So, you know. Chelsea have joined Tottenham in wanting Richarlison from Everton. Um, He makes more sense for Chelsea than he would for Tottenham, given that Tottenham have more to do. And Chelsea could use him as a starter. He's not a starter for Tottenham, but he would be a starter for Chelsea if Tuchel were to go to a 4-3-3. And obviously with the Sterling rumours, you could look at a front three of Sterling, Havertz, Richarlison as having a little bit of everything that you would want. Heavy goal-scoring burden on Raheem, but it is a front three that could work with Mount and Kovacic as your your eights and Conte and Gallagher kind of rotating in. Conte coming in for the big games. You would need a defensive midfielder in that regard, though, because you can't just play Jorginho there and hope for the best. Um, so, yeah, I could see Richarlison working at, at Chelsea. Obviously, for Spurs, he can be the backup to Son and the backup to Kane. But are you really going to spend that type of money on a depth player? Like, again, you're Tottenham, you're not Man City. Um, West Ham are set to offer about £30 million for Armando Brogia, who was on loan at Southampton last season, he would be a brilliant signing for West Ham. Like, genuinely a brilliant signing. Tottenham made contact with Denmark playmaker Christian Eriksen's camp a few weeks ago, but have not followed up their interest who spent the se- in the player who spent the second half of last season on loan at Brentford. So this, again, goes against some of what was reported elsewhere, but this is Alistair Gold, who is the number one guy for Tottenham-related information. So it doesn't look like Tottenham is a real option for him. So I think he's going to end up back at Brentford. I certainly hope that's the case. Uh, Manchester United's new manager, Eric Ten Hag, has told the club he wants to sign both Ericsson and Frankie de Jong. I just don't know how you make that work. Are you playing them both in a three? You are going to need one hell of a defensive midfielder. Like you're going to need an absolute monster in there. You're going to need Wilf Ndidi pre-injury issues. 
that's a bit strange. Or you could play De Jong plus one and then Ericsson is the 10. But what happens then to Brunham? Uh, Manchester United have had a £55 million offer for Brazil striker Evan Nielsen rejected by Porto. But the Old Trafford club plan to make a fresh bid for him. Uh, I don't believe that one, to be honest. Having failed to sign Dutch defender Julian Timber, Manchester United could make a move for his teammate, Lisandro Martinez. Arsenal have been heavily linked. I think he'll end up at Arsenal, and I think he makes a lot more sense for Arsenal than he would for United. United are closing in on the signing of Anthony. They're going to be linked to every Ajax player moving forward, with just, just how it's going to be. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain will launch a new bid for Milan Skriniar. Inter will meet with Bremer as they begin their search for replacement. They'd be better off just giving Skriniar his new contract that he wants and maybe selling De Vries and bringing in Bremer to play in the middle of that back three. Uh, Leeds are mulling over an offer for RB Leipzig and USA midfielder Tyler Adams as they prepare for Calvin Phillips' potential departure. Tyler Adams is a good player. He's worked under Jesse Marsh before. He's not as good as Calvin Phillips, but he is a good player. And Adams and Roca would be better than what they had in midfield last year, even with Phillips, because they never had the right partner for him. And without Phillips, they were a train wreck. Uh, Manchester United manager Pep Guardiola says he wants to see Bernardo Silva stay with the Premier League champions, but does not like to keep unhappy players at the club. I don't think he's unhappy. I think he's quite happy there. Obviously, Barca is a dream for a lot of players. So if the offer came in, he would probably want to take it up at 27. It might be his last chance. Aston Villa are willing to listen to offers for John McGinn this summer. Um. I would be surprised if this is true, especially considering it is coming from Football Insider, which is you know a mess. But I do think he's quite highly regarded at Villa. Now, this piece says Gerard is not totally convinced by him. So maybe Gerard knows more than I'm giving him credit for because I'm not convinced by him at all. But I don't think Villa will sell him. If they did, it could be an interesting. He could be an interesting signing for someone like Everett in that midfield three. Um, he could be interesting. Potentially for Leicester. Uh, he wouldn't be my choice, but you know, they, they might need a, they might need a midfielder if Thielemans leaves. Um, I could see Newcastle having interest. He'd probably be a bit too expensive for West Ham to bring him in for depth. Uh, Egyptian winger Trezeguet is close to leaving Aston Villa for Trabs on Spore. Nottingham Forest boss Steve Cooper, who guided the side to promotion into the Premier League, is on the verge of signing a new long-term contract. That's great news for Forest. Forest are in advanced talks to sign Teo Iwaniyi, um, according to the Telegraph. But Football Insider, uh, who apparently has sources inside Wani's camp says he's planning to turn them down. Um, Wayne VC, you are a spoofer. An absolute spoofer. A recruitment source. Get 
Get out. Get out. Denmark midfielder Pierre-Emile Heusberg has been linked to the move away from Tottenham, but, is, but Spurs have no intention of selling. Everybody knows that. Um, that is it. That is me for today. Uh, Wayne Vies is a spoofer. Pass it on. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.